hell's wrong with you? I miss my wrestling. Use your wrestling. Yes, I. I need my wrestling. All right, man, calm down. It's all good. You know why? Because you were listening to your professional wrestling fix. Follow us on Facebook at Ten Wrestling Pro Wrestling Discussions on Twitter at the Inzigiri. And catch your new episodes of the 2300 Wrestling Podcast and the Basement Dropkick on Anchor FM, Spotify, and other leading platforms. Oh, yeah. Welcome, everybody, to the 2300 Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, D.B. Richards, alongside my sweet tea referee, Dave Keener. Oh, oh, what are you doing? Are you drinking? I'm sorry. I was taking a sip of my sweet tea. Oh. Hi, everybody. I'm Dave Keener. Oh. Enjoying my sweet tea. Oh, who do we have? <sighs> sorry about that. Excuse me. But on the line, we have an ECW original. Oh, how original. Dudley original. We have Chubby Dudley, Bay Ragney on the phone. Hello, Bay. Yo, yo. Actually, I'm an ECW original original. Yes. Original, yes. original, original. Let me rephrase that. He's an Eastern Championship Wrestling original. Yes. That's yeah, different. I'm an original original. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I'm the time original. Right. Yeah. The last time we had you on was like the first. Um. I think you were the second um interview we did for the uh, other podcast. Yes. The second interview. How long ago was that? that too was long. Like two and a half years ago. Yeah. It got to be. Yeah. Have we been on that long? No. He was the. He was 91. We started 84. Wait. Wait. Then, wait. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. He was number 91? 91, yeah. You know why that's funny? Why? Hey, Bay, what year did you debut in wrestling? Uh, no, you, you, you tried, but you did not succeed. Actually, I uh, debuted in 90. Right, <laughs> but still, 91, 92. Yeah. yeah. Oh, come I, on. I started, I started wrestling school in September of 90. That's a scary quote. It's freaking 31 years ago. Yeah. I remember, side story, I remember my first Liberty All-Star Wrestling show. Oh, so it was at a place in Springfield. It's no longer there. The place was called oh September's Place. September's yeah. Place. I, I was, was 10 years old. Come on, really? Yeah, I was 10 years old. I'm going on 42. Um, that was 95. Right, in that area, yeah. I think it was like uh, 94, 95. I don't remember. But yeah. I remember being there. You weren't 10 years old in 95. No, no, Do I your was, math. I was younger than that. No, you were older than that. No. <laughs> Dude, you're the same age as me. <laughs> I know that, you but think you went to a different school than me, so. Um, <laughs> that doesn't how that works. I, I can tell you some fun stories about that show. Go ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead. I remember, so I think it was me, you, Maverick, and Frank. I'm not sure. But we went over to eat, and Mike's like, yeah. wow, this is expensive. We went over to, right? right. We were there at like yeah. 9 a.m. Show was at 4 yeah. or 5, I don't remember. But we were there so early to set up equipment and everything else and i i remember seeing people there like i remember seeing larry i remember seeing frank doing super destroyer or something like that and then coming out 20 minutes later in the hw star gimmick um tom the bus driver he was the peacemaker yes peacemaker yeah it was like a vader outfit that looked really different But trust me, like Vader had, it was, it looked like a Vader outfit, but it was different. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Tom, the bus driver, that, that gimmick was the ultimate heel gimmick in Philadelphia because he was a legit, that's the bus driver. Right. And that was his gimmick. He was a bus driver as a manager and the heat he was getting was amazing. And then, um, whoever he was managing was against, uh, or before he became Nate Hatred was Otter. Otter. And, um, Otter's grandfather attacked yes. the bus driver. Like, yes. We, we were all like, didn't know what to do. <laughs> it was so Nate's gimmick was based on after Otter from uh, the Animal, Animal, House. Animal House. Yeah. Okay. So he's the college guy and everything, which is weird, really weird because two years, three years later, he became Nate Hatred. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What? What? What's your? Um, George is like, huh? Uh, oh. oh, it happened. Yeah. 
happens. Yeah. It happens. And I mean, but it was, because I remember walking around there, and my mom was there, I think my dad was at work, and we ran into Nate's parents, and my mom was like, what are you guys doing here? Like, my Nate's on the show. Wait, my mom goes, Nate wrestles? Oh. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I thought there was going to be any more um, stories. No, no, I mean, uh, that show was, like, a lot of people on that show we see now. Like, yeah. I can still remember, I think Ratchet was on that show, if I remember. Was Rick Ratchet on that Ooh, show? Uh, you know what? He might have been. And I think Rich Rat- Rick Ratchet was there. I think Devin Storm. Devin Storm, yeah. Ace Starling. Reckless. Ace Starling, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it was like. Um, you know who made their wrestling debut on that show? You? Was Francine. Yes. Oh. Yes, she was there. Wow. Yeah. We, we had a lot of yeah. people there. I remember that. Wow. Yeah, um, she went through the W school, and they wouldn't they wouldn't book her. Mm. She was really really upset. And um, uh, Dave, who uh, came Cujo, he went through wrestling school with her, and uh, he he was working the show before he became Cujo. I forget what he was. Maybe he was Cujo. I forget. Maybe he was working yeah. like Dave Cruz. I, I but, think um, it was him and Glenn. I think they were t- teaming up at that time. Maybe. Yeah. And he came to me asking me to to put Francine on the show and give her a shot. And I was like, all right, yeah, yeah. So Francine actually debuted for Liberty All Star. Ooh, there's a little tidbit for you guys. Oh, like I like that. There you go. George is like, oh, I know Francine. Do you know Francine? Oh, there's a there's an old one for you. There's a story for you, DB. What Francine? No. Oh, that the September's Place show. Way, way, way back. The only LAW show that I remember going to, I think it was the only one, was that um, Briarcliff? No. Um, oh, wait. Not besides that. Oh, you're talking about no, when, back in the um, day. Back in the when day. When Jimmy Gennetti versus uh, um, Stevie, Stevie Richards, Richards at, over um, at the Fun, fun spot. spot. Yeah. And Rocco was there, oh, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Rocco Rock was on that show. Well, the funny thing is, Richards lived in Havertown, I think, at the time. But any of the Liberty shows, like when they ran at Eddie Stone Boys and Girls Club, which is something completely different now, he just showed up. He wasn't on it. Like I, I don't know if you remember that. But the one-day show that they did there, Michael was rapping, and Stevie just showed up, got in the ring, and grabbed the mic and killed time. <laughs> yeah, Rick, Rick, well, Richards was living in, uh, he lived in Port Richard. Right, um, Richard. The one who lived in, okay. Richard, yeah, the, the one who lived in Havertown was the Rock and Rub. There we go. I know was one of them. I know my friend was not a big fan of Rock and Rebel. But hey. you, know, you know what? I, 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 you know, I, I don't want to talk bad about him. You know, everybody no. knows what yeah. he did and all. I remember he, getting he, that call. Yeah, you know, yeah. He he made his own enemies in the business. He he did a lot of good by people. I mean, he did a lot of good by me in the business. He did some bad by me. But he's actually the one who got me into the business. And many, many people don't even know that. Like he um he was working for Haverford Township as a trash okay. man. My brother-in-law at the time worked for Haverford Township as well. And I I didn't know the only way I knew how to get into wrestling business, the Monster Factory. And then my brother-in-law was like, oh, I work for a wrestler, you know, and he introduced me to Rebel, and Rebel introduced me to, to Joel Goodhart, and I went up and had my tryout, and that's how I got into wrestling business. That was back when Larry was running it, though, when Larry Sharp was uh, running the Larry factory. Winter, well, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, this was yeah. the summer of 1990. Yeah, so Larry Sharp was there doing the factory. Yeah. 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 We yeah. actually went to, I introduced these guys to the factory a couple weeks ago, and they're, like, walking around, like, check it out. These That ring and these floors, the people that came out of that building. Talk. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They can tell stories. Not, not, not only that. Like, I mean, that, that's got an amazing history of the school. But I think, you know, the scary part is I think it's probably a better train place now. And everything Danny Cage has done with that place. And I praise, you know, somehow it's funny because a lot of these interviews I do, Danny Cage and the Monsters Factory comes up a lot. <laughs> and stuff I see of him online. And I've actually done some podcasts with Danny. 
And uh, I have utmost respect for what that guy has done with that place, that school, mm, and that I name. I, I think he, he, I think he's taken that totally to the next level. And I applaud him on his tra- training regimen and the way he does it. He, he's just, uh, in my eye, true uh, class act and in an old school way of business. It, like he's right. got a modern form, of, but he still holds that old school, um, true root and mentality. And I nothing but praise for him for what oh, yeah. he does for this business. I made I made the joke. I texted him. I messaged him the other day. I said, "When did you turn into?" the dude he goes what do you mean i'm like the hair the beard you're looking like jeff bridges in the big lebowski <laughs> so now when he when i see in pictures of him he's at ringside with a robe on now yeah. Oh, those... drink, yeah yeah oh that's there, great there's pictures of online that he posted today where he had the robe on he's sitting ringside oh, but no, he drinking da- Danny, what's that is he drinking kalula and cream still i think so i didn't see it that far but it was funny <laughs> I no, Danny, Danny's a great guy. Yeah, we we yeah, did yeah. A, um a, what do you call it? Back in 2017 or 2018, we did a, a thing with C.W. Anderson there, and I walked up. I'm like, "Hey, Danny, it's nice to finally meet you." He goes, "I'm like Dave Keener. We talk all the time." He's like, "Oh, hey, hey, nice to meet you, man." So yeah, I have nothing but respect for him. That's all he yeah. said to you. <laughs> Well, he was working. Oh, okay. Uh, th- th- like, your stories, like the time you told me about... Um, Gangrel falling asleep Gangrel falling asleep in the back of the car. I thought it would be, like, a little bit more story. And go, oh, it's, really? It's almost as funny. I don't know if you remember the Westchester Henderson show we did. I don't know if you were there for that, Bay. Um, but we did a show... I don't West- think so. We did a show at Westchester Henderson, and the Misfits were on the show, all three of them. And okay. I walked, back when we were living in Falcroft, I walked downstairs. Harley's asleep on the couch with his arm dangling off the couch. Derek's asleep on the recliner, and Ken, I have no clue where he was. But, and it was just funny, and walked down, and I'm like, okay. And Joey Mercury was at the house at that time, too, because Joey Mercury came up. Joey was like 17. He was young. <laughs> Whatever happened to that dude is, uh, whatever happened to Ken Porter, like I don't know. Last time, Ken, when I heard Ken was around, he was like 90, early 2000, he was doing ECW. That was the last I heard. He was part of the flock, but I haven't heard anything since. Right. And it was funny because we were at my brother's wedding and Ken, AJ Sparks, um, Rick Ratchet, who else was there? Carino. And it was like a who's who for like a, um, meet and greet we're at the wedding. So you see fans walking wow. up to everybody. Hey, can I? Hey, can I? Hey, can I? I'm like, oh, okay. It's Mike's wedding. Right. Stop. It was funny. It was cool. That was a fun wedding. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Everybody worked in the ECW arena. So, Ben, do you have a story about the ECW arena? It's not that, a, I, You know, that place, that place was, like, so magical. and such truly my favorite place. It, it was such a dump that you had to love it. And it's, like, it's crazy. Like, when you walk in there now, you know, the last few times I was in there over the last few years, you know, it's such a different place. It doesn't have that same feel like, like it used to. Yeah. I mean, they, they made it really nice, and they truly made it into like a little arena um but like what it was back then like i always remember just walking in you know for the those arena shows you could walk in the uh, it was actually in the front it was like a front door but there was like a side thing there where it would open up and there was a like a a a rampway and they had dumpsters back there yeah yeah, it was like literally just dumpsters of trash and you would walk through the trash area to get back into the the locker room and um i mean it was just a, a magical thing and i just remember you know being back there for all the shows you're backstage and um the real fun i mean inside the shows 
was after the shows, hanging out there, you know, filming the promos. That's when, like, you know, there was so much magic that was made, you know, when when the lights went down and the bell rang and the matches were going on. There was even more magic that happened after those shows when the arena was empty and those promos were being filmed. Like, when I go back, when, like, I see them pop up on YouTube or, you know, on the WWE Network, and you see those promos now, and I just think to myself, like, wow, like, if people knew, like, where they were filmed and what it looked like back there, I mean, you, you, like, there was one... Uh, like dreamers up on depths like right by the old bathroom that was like a, it was literally like a little wooden outhouse mm-hmm. <laughs> and there it was, was like a stairway right now right yeah and dreamer filmed one of his amazing promos on there i think with like yula and kimona and you know it was just so many magical moments in that place um and you never knew like every three weeks when those arena shows happened i always remember like when i would get there first like you get there like i would pull up and there was just a line of people a crowd of people at their tailgate and you know like walk yeah and they're just having a ball and you know you're you're walking through the parking lot to go walk in and people are high-fiving you and it was just such a great atmosphere but the funny thing is like every time i walk through them doors i'm thinking to myself who am i going to see here now <laughs> like because you never knew who the hell was going to be back right he, he, oh, he yeah. would always be you know treated with a surprise like you know you walk back there and here's steve Austin. you walk brian pillman or you know the steiners like you never knew who was going to be back road warrior animal or road warrior hawk yeah like oh all these people who, you know, in the in the 80s or those those very early 90s that I was watching and really looking up to. Um, and at that time, there was no internet or nothing. So you're like, I was buying tapes off local tra- tape dealers to see like Steve Austin stuff from Texas or, you know, just stuff like that to, mm-hmm. to see and watch and learn from these guys, like what they were doing. And then here they are, you're sharing a locker room and you're being able to sit and talk with them and, and pick their brains. So, I mean, it's just so many magical moments. But I, I can't pinpoint just one. But I, I mean, just every time you went out there and just walked those uh, that that runway to the ring, walking that aisle, as Flair would say, in the ECW arena. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just magic. And every time they would pull the, the the lights out routine and turn them back on, and somebody was there and hearing the crowd just go nuts, and you're you're back in the locker room and you hear that, yeah, you're like the, like even talking about it now, I have chills and I can feel the hair on the back of my neck stand up. Oh, I got the chills too. I mean, but you don't know I how remember, cold I was there. I remember back when I was watching, and you you would as well, DB. I don't know if they would because they're younger. I remember, I think it was Saturday or Sunday nights, Sports, Sports Channel Philadelphia, 10 p.m. at night, watching... Eastern Championship Wrestling. And then coming up and seeing the Hell Riders, which was Bay and Easy versus the Super Destroyers. Yeah. That, so. Hey, that was the very first uh, match on um, ECW TV in, in ever. Right. And then you had other guys like Tony Stetson and Larry Winners, Glenn Osborne, uh, Don Morocco, Kevin Sullivan, Eddie Gilbert, because Eddie Gilbert was the booker at that time. Yeah. So just yep. going back and watching all the old school stuff with these guys was really cool. Yeah. I mean, and again, like, Something like somebody like Eddie Gilbert. Like Eddie Gilbert was one of my biggest influences in the wrestling business. I, I just thought he was I was always a fan of Eddie's from going back to the, the, the mid eighties of Hot Stuff International. You know, I remember watching him on like that, that stuff on channel forty eight, I think it was, back when I was a young teenager. Right. And just being like so glued to the T V with Hot Stuff International and Missy Hyatt and all that stuff. Um, just always loved Eddie's work. And then, you know, I, I don't know if I ever told you guys this story, like um in the Eastern Championship Wrestling days. Like I used to do a lot of stuff uh, behind the scenes with Todd Gordon promoting 
wise. Like when they would get to shows, like I would go out to the town, me and me and Frank Cody, we would go out to the, the, the towns and the neighborhoods and we would work on promoting the shows. And um, when we went down to get the, you know, posters and flyers for whatever show it was, it was right before, it was right when we were working on getting the, the TV contract with Sports Channel. He, uh, you know, we're in his office and we're talking and shooting the shit. And he said, well, he goes, I, I you know, I pulled the trigger and I thought it was time to make a move and get us a, a booker and uh, somebody who's been around. And we're like, okay. Like, I'm like, shit in my pants. I'm like, okay, who? And he sprung on us that he hired Eddie Gilbert. And I, I was just like, I, I was losing my mind. Like, inside, I'm like, this is going to be the greatest thing ever. And I was marking out in my head so bad because I was such a huge Eddie Mark. And I was like, this is going to be great. This is going to be amazing. But it really, I mean, it, w- it helped bring ECW to the next level. But in hand, it kind of, in, in my opinion, it was what hurt ECW too to a point because it, it, it lost a lot of um, a lot of the local guys. We, you know, we, like people like myself, Glenn Osborne and Betson and Winners and all those guys were slowly, you know, know. faded out of all yeah. the storyline. Um, you know, so I mean, but but I understood like at that time I was 22 years old and I was very hurt and pissed off and felt very screwed over because I was doing so much work for ECW behind the scenes and you know I was I was helping bring in a lot of people to those shows and you know I was I was selling tickets back then. It was my first year in the business. I was bringing a lot of people and I felt very screwed over. Um, but looking back at it, like as my as I got older and time went on in the career, I, I understood that I was not worthy at that point. Yeah. But also too, that's what um, that's how Liberty All Star Wrestling was formed. Yes, was I remember you telling me we, that. Yeah, yeah. When we got pushed out, you know, I I called a meeting at my house and I had all the the boys came to my house and we had a meeting. It was like on a, one Sunday and we sat down and you know and I, and I threw it out there like let's start a new promotion. Like let's really do it the way that it should be done and let's really take care of our own and let's do more like where Joel Goodhart was doing it. Let's kind of pick up and restart like where TWA left off because Eastern Championship Wrestling was not TWA at all. And, um, you know, everybody was for it and everybody wanted in, but nobody would um, nobody would ante up financially or become a partner at that time. The only ones that did, it was myself, Frank Cody, and uh, a person who wasn't even in the business time who sadly just passed away um, right before Thanksgiving was Lucky Larry. Yeah, um, we were we were the original three owners of Liberty Else Fair Wrestling and we, uh, you know, we started it from there. We did our first show in November of 94 and our first main event was uh, Tom Brandy who was just out of WCW at the time, uh, Johnny Gunn, against Raven who was at the time, he just came out of WWF as uh, Johnny Polo. Yeah. That was our main event and then a week later, Raven debuted. Where was that one at? That was at my old elementary school in Upper Darby, uh, St. Allen. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that, yeah. 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 And we had a great, great crowd, a great show and then uh, our second show was the one that we were talking about earlier, the September show. Wait, there's actually YouTube footage of Scotty Flamingo doing that from that show. Oh. Yeah, it's on YouTube. Really? Yeah, because he was in, I think he was wearing the green and black gear, and he wasn't doing Raven You got to send it. Yeah, if I find it, I'll definitely send it. Because I have, well... I don't know if I still have it <laughs> due to my divorce, but um, <laughs> I have a, a, a couple boxes of old VHS tapes, and I have all the old original LAW videos from the 90s, and I do have footage of that show. If I still have it, I don't know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that'd be weird. Because I'm, the only other person who had those tapes that I know of is myself and Frank. Maybe maybe Gennetti. Jimmy Gennetti might have had footage, too, because he was going through and trans- he was trying to transfer some stuff to me to, for DVD. So I don't know if I ever gave him those or not but i'd be kind of surprised if that's actually it you know i would love to find them that'd be awesome to watch Dude. yeah we just we had a, a camera set up you know yeah. no no commentary up and just a you know camcorder was set up according to shows my god 
that. Yeah. That would be fun. That would be fun to watch, really. Dave's yeah. looking for it right now. He's like, he's looking for it, looking for it, looking for it. So let's move on. Um, so, um, okay, do you have any pet peeves in the business? Mm. Different questions from last time, huh? Yeah, that's good. I like, um, I think my biggest pet peeve, um, first of all, let me say this. Like, and I might probably have said this before when I spoke to you guys a couple years ago. Like, I, I don't watch it no more. I, yeah. I very rarely will put wrestling on. Um, when I was starting to get back involved in the business a couple years ago before I moved to Nashville, I was starting to watch it here and there a little bit. Um, but I don't, I, again, I'm back to not watching it. Um, so I really don't even know what goes on in the business nowadays. It's a whole new world to me and all new names. But back back in the day, a gave of mine was uh, uh, backyard workers who were getting booked on shows. That would drive me nuts because it was you know, taking work from people like myself, other people who actually went and were legitimately trained and paid their dues and learned from professionals. And then, you know, people were doing this in the backyard and all of a sudden, like these backyard promoters were popping up and, and running shows and, and booking these people. And it was like, and then they were actually like selling shows to, to organizations and charging, uh, you know, thousands of dollars. It was like, what the frig is going on here? It was a real weird time when that whole backyard stuff started coming up. We get in a debate and an argument with a friend of ours who says that it's bell to bell. And I tell him all the freaking time, you're wrong. It's not bell to bell. It's curtain to curtain. So we were debating this question. And I wanted to ask you the same question. Well, what are your thoughts on it? Is it bell to bell or curtain to curtain? Curtain to curtain. Thank you. It, there, there's so much... Um, so much important stuff happens before the bell even rings and even more important stuff happens after the bell rings because it, the way you're selling whatever happens in the ring between the bell to bell after that final bell and the way you carry yourself after that bell and carry yourself back to the, that curtain um, really uh, can put that whole match over or just totally crap on it make it look like shit yeah there, there's a friend that and I'm like you're a fan you don't really know he's like yeah dude it's bell to bell I'm like no curtain to curtain because as soon as you hit that curtain, things go. Not when the bell hit. And <laughs> I, it's been I'm, a I'm main sorry. argument. Yeah, a, a ring entrance is so important to uh, a character, a whole persona, and the way a, a match could be. It's, the ring entrance is one of the most important parts. Right. Like, I tell everybody, and they all know it, you know it, I'm an actor at the Bates Motel. Okay, Haunted Hayride in Glen Mills. So... There's mm -hmm. a difference between right before you get in makeup and you go out there and they say, okay, we're ready to go. And then you go through that curtain and you do your act. Then when you're done, right. you go back out and you go back to your normal person. I really, right. really want you to get them to pay us fifty dollars every time you say their names. Yeah, and I think we're gonna have to pay Gangrel too. But yeah, the whole curtain to curtain thing, like yeah, you know Fran. Fran um was my old um co-host and he's like, No, it's bell to bell. I'm like, No, it's curtain to curtain. Curtain to curtain. Because anything can happen afterwards in the match. Right. And that was the argument. And I'm always right and he is wrong and I win everything. <laughs> ribs and pranks. No? Yeah, why not? Okay, I am a big fan of ribs and pranks and I always rib this man right here in front of me. Dave Keener, he just broke the pen. Sorry, I are the Frank Cody said he's the best at him. So I I thought Chris Hamrick was. I don't know. Some somebody's wrong. I don't I mean know. Chris Hamrick said I do the fucking ribs. His exact words. And then he put barbecue on. Yeah. One of one of the best ribs I ever saw and uh Dave, your your brother Mike was there for this one. Oh god. It was uh it was at uh Dennis one of Dennis Carluzzo's shows over at uh he used to run this building every month in, in Jersey. The hell will I forget the name of the place, but um Dan Severn was on the show and uh Billy Real. <laughs> and Billy Billy was like fifteen, sixteen years old at the time. And uh we, we uh, uh, it, it, like the whole locker room was in on it. We told Billy that he was going to uh, go over on Severn, and Severn was hit and was furious at, at 
Philly and furious at Dennis and didn't want to have to drop the belt some little kid. <laughs> Billy Billy was shitting himself. And then Severin came in and he started throwing stuff around the dressing room. And then he grabbed Billy and threw Billy against the wall. And I thought Billy was going to shit his pants in front of everybody. He was going to cross. And, and then, like, gang got him against the wall and just started screwing. It was his error. His error. That is funny. Okay. I, I like to rip Dave all the time. Like, I call him up around 6 o'clock in the morning and tell him I'm out front. Sometimes I'm out here. Sometimes I He'll figure it out when I beat the horn. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of things I do. Yeah, that was a nice feedback right there. So, um, table five. You're the fifth person, and you had to put five more people at your table. Who would it be? It's, so, I have four more people at this table you're talking about? Yes. And is it four people in the wrestling business? Could be wrestling business. Could be in the music business. Could be anywhere. You Movies. Whoever you want. How, how about this? Uh, I, I, I would love Dudley Reunion. Me, Bubba, Devon, Sign Guy, and I'm going to go against because those were the ones I was close to. Okay. I like that. And I would love the, I would love the chance to, you know, just sit and talk with those guys again. Like, you know, I've, I've talked with Lou from time to time over the years. Uh, I caught up with Devon a couple years ago, and I actually had him on my show a couple years ago. And, and we had amazing conversations. It was nice to talk to him. But I haven't talked to Bubba in, like, probably 15 years now, however long it's been. And um, chances I've talked to, I've talked, I've talked to him, uh, you know, over the last couple of years trying to get him to do some uh, conventions with me. Like, for you guys, we were going to try to do something. Yeah. But, I, yeah, I, I think all of that, that would be that would be my uh, my ones I'd want initially. And then, I, of course, like, I'd, I'd like one like maybe Blair and um, Blair, Mick Foley, Michael Hayes, Jim Cornette, yeah, Bobby Eaton maybe for Stan Lane. Okay, those tables will be great. Yeah, I'd be down for that. So, um, I do like a game, and um, it's called um, Ready, Dave. You want me to do it? Yeah, do it, man. The five questions of doom. So none of them, <laughs> none of them Bail are. about it. So none of them are wrestling questions. So whatever's okay. in here is what we do. They're just like off the wall. Like we had a referee Ryan T on last week, and the one question was rabbit season or duck season. Rabbit season. Rabbit season. Duck season. Rabbit season. Duck season. Are you ready? Are you ready to say number one? Question number one. Favorite Halloween costume as a child. <laughs> That's funny. Wait, what was it? Favorite, Favorite Halloween costume. costume as a child. Uh, ooh. Ozzy Osbourne on the cover of the Diary of a Madman. 12 years old. It was a werewolf. Was that the werewolf? No. No, no. Bark of the Moon was werewolf. Dire, Dire, yeah, Diary of a Madman. It was just Ozzy in like this weird get-up. No, okay. I just, I just remember, yeah, just having this like ripped up white pants and black shirt. Uh, my mom doing my makeup for me. What was yours, DB? What's that? Oh, I was Egon. Were you? Yeah. Well, it's all about Ghostbusters, man. I wore Ghostbusters last week. Yeah, you wore the Ghostbusters pajamas. Now you're Deadpool this week. Yep. Question number two. Your dream car. I think he already has that. Ooh, the dream car. Um, I'm a huge car nut. Um, my, my dream car has always been um, Corvettes. I've owned three of them in the past. Actually, it was funny last night. Uh, me and my fiance we were coming out of her mother's house, and uh, her neighbor had a brand new 2020 Vet. And I was just, and I, and I said to her, my goal has always been able to, to go buy a brand new Vet. And uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, so it's always Corvette or a '69 Charger, generally from the Duke's house. Oh, that would be good. Yeah, um, wasn't it um, a young guy named um, Deshaun Pratt? He said he would love to have Kit, so that was kind of cool. <laughs> you know, when I was growing up, it was a great show. I used to love the original Night Rider when I was a kid growing up, but yeah. an 82... 82- it, the 82 Trans Am was kind of a blast. If it yeah. was the Bandit from Thirteen the Bandit, there you go. That's a beautiful Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I enjoy everything, man. I love the old school stuff. Oh, I love it, like, yeah. old school. Yeah. I watch old school wrestling all day. So, um, ready for the next one? Question yep. number three. 
Favorite pizza topping? Pineapples. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I, I do love pineapple on pizza, and I love to drive people nuts with that. But uh, uh, just barbecue all, sauce, I get it all the time. My my all time favorite topping on pizza is probably sausage. Sausage. I'll take that. Okay. Oh, it's a newer one. Question number four. Okay. Um. This is this is a good one. Astro or Dino? Ah. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, <laughs> Dino. Dino. Dino design. There we go. I was waiting for a new one to come up. Question number five. This has got to be a good one. Got to be a good one. So let's pull it up. What is it? What is it? Batman or Superman? Ooh. Always, always Batman. Always Batman. Batman. Yep. I'm down with that. All right. Side question to that one. Favorite Batman? Oh, you're asking Adam me. West. Adam West. All right. Favorite Joker? Mm, gr- growing up, naturally, was Cesar Romero, but um, uh, Heath Ledger was, uh, you know, I truly learned to appreciate what Heath Ledger did to that character. So the other question I would ask is, what did you think of Joaquin Phoenix in that movie then? You, you know what? I did not see that movie, and no. I really need to. I, I, I just saw recently somewhere, like, that movie was, like, biggest like, money box office thing or something. I, I don't know, something weird, like, some weird fact I just saw, like, in the last two weeks, and I was kind of blown away by it. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, it was, like, the biggest box office of 2020. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though there wasn't much of 2020. Right. Was it 2020? It was 2019. It was 19. I was like, yeah. Yeah. I remember falling asleep watching the movie. The Why movie was it that bad? I was bored. I, I just thought it was like kind of eh, but that's yeah. I heard it's really maybe I was just tired and I fell asleep. I don't know. It's like going to Disney and going to the Hall of Presidents and falling asleep. <laughs> you know, you know who else I think played an amazing Joker that doesn't get credit was um the the guy who did it in the Gotham TV series. I I thought he was amazing. Yes, yes. I don't know his name, but um, no, me neither. Um, he's the guy from Shameless. Oh, okay. Yeah, William yeah. H Macy. No, 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 no. Kid, one of the kids. Yeah. Oh, okay. But I'm gonna I'm gonna send you something later. Um, Corey Castle, you know Corey Castle. Yeah. So Corey did this little film called Bruce. Where yeah. You know what? I watched some of it. Yeah. Did you watch some of it? What did you think? Yeah, it, it was weird. It was right. It was, it, was, it, was, it was cool. It was definitely a whole weird thing. Like I was like a little weirded out by it. Yeah, it's a different size of Bruce Wayne. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So with everything going on with COVID, how is everything with you? Um, besides financially, great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, I haven't talked to you in a while, but I bought a house in Norwood right there over by oh, nice. where... What's that? Congrats. Thank you. I've been here about three years now. Yeah. We moved the whole studio over to my house because I got a back room and everything else. So everything's here now. Um, my son turns 16. My daughter turns 18. I know. We're getting old. Um, But just the house and everything. I'm enjoying life now. Life his, is good. His girlfriend... Went to school with Sign Guy Dudley. Yeah, yeah. My girlfriend went to school with Lou. Oh, cool. So it's funny. Right. But the funny thing is my girlfriend well, here, here, Here's the thing. Like, something I, you know, in the last, you know, year and a half, two years, I've gone through so much in life between, you know, you know, you guys know, I was going through a divorce and right. um, moving to Nashville and, and all, all new things. And um, the, the thing that I really learned through all this, and especially through this whole COVID thing, pandemic and everything that the whole world's going through. Um, number one, life is too fucking 
sure. Seriously, people need to, to need Keep to really, forward. you know, yeah. I mean, it's very easy to say it, but you have to really live that way. And you know, you have to also due, due to the fact that life is too short, and you don't know because tomorrow is promised to nobody. You don't know if you're going to wake up. You don't know if you're going to be able to go to sleep tonight. So, right. in the time that you have, in the short time that we are blessed and graced to be here on this earth, you got to be happy. And if you're not happy, then you're wasting your time. And I wasted a lot of time, and uh, I'm not wasting time. Time is now. Time is to live your life, live to be happy, and you know, move forward, like you said, and be successful and happy. And you know, this whole pandemic has sucked for everybody. It's oh, yeah. destroyed many people's lives. It's destroyed many people financially, and people have lost many things: homes, businesses, cars, what have you. Um, but it could be worse. You know, you just got to keep moving forward. Hold your head up. Be positive. Be thankful and grateful for what you do have, and and just live your life. And that's exactly what I'm doing. Like you know. I'm just flying by the seat of my pants every day, but I don't give a shit. I'm happy. <laughs> That's all that matters. Right? One of the reasons why oh, I hear you. we're doing this, I enjoy this, and I'm happy when I'm behind this little mic. Yeah. There you go. Oh, yeah. And I'm happy that I rip Dave every time I see him. Makes me happy. Hey, Bay does to me all the time when we were at shows, so. It's like, it's a, it's a family, you know what I mean? Friars Club. Absolutely. The Friars Club. I know Bay knows what the Friars Club is. I don't know if you guys know what the Friars Club yep. is. So the Friars Club's quote is, we always roast the ones we love. So if we don't fuck with you, that means we don't love you. Fuck with you, exactly. then we love you. Exactly. So and in... where's my jacket? Friars Club members all have jackets. Right, yeah, <laughs> I want a jacket. Yeah. I, want a, I want one of those gold jackets. My, my right side's a little bit longer than the other, though. Yeah, are you going to run around like um, in Happy Gilmore? I want my jacket. <laughs> no, I was figuring that we'd go up to the quads. So, Bay, um, favorite match you've been in? Ooh, Favorite match pre-Dudley was um, uh, a match that I... Ooh, man. Well, he's got to think about this one. I love when everybody has to think. That makes me... Angry. But, I, you know, I, the one one match that always popped in my head is um, back when we were um, doing the, the Hellriders gimmick in early ECW. Um, we wrestled a tag team from Maryland, from Baltimore, called the Cream Team. And it was probably like our third, fourth, the or fifth cream match, whatever it was. The Cream Team? The Cream Team. And I had always remember reading about them in wrestling magazines. And um, when we were booked to work them I, I just remember being very nervous but uh i forget their name i think it was like rip and dave or their names I, I forget um and i think one of them actually passed away like five ten years ago saturday but i just remember working with those guys they were phenomenal workers and that match i just remember truly taught a tag team wrestler, like how to truly be a tag team wrestler and how to work you know working the referee and working the match and working the crowd and working the whole gimmick like those guys really taught us so much in that one match and uh that like that match has always stuck with me um another fun favorite match oh my god i can't bring back so many memories like uh back when i used to work singles for jim kettner huh. I, I was always put into a i was put into a feud program for like a year with um boogie woogie brown and we used to have the most fun matches um that guy cliff was a beautiful beautiful human being just a great guy and uh he was older too like i was like in my at that time, 23, 24. And I think he was probably like in his 40s. And um, big. he was huge. He was probably like 6'3", 6'4", 350, 400 pounds. And we just would have so much fun uh, in those matches. And that guy was, so, he was like Hulk Hogan. He was so over in those crowds. Like he was a god. And he just, by him being so over, that huge baby face made me into this monster heel. And Kettner had us in a program for like a year to which we were like, um, it built up to this big, like Kettner's WrestleMania show 
years he would do each year. And uh, we were like the semi-main event. It was like they drew over 1,500 people. I was just I remember being blown away by that. Um, I, I, me and Frank Doty, we had a lot of hardcore matches together. And uh, the one match where he, he said to me, he goes, you know, he goes, this is what I want you to do. I want, I want you to um, bulldog me onto a flaming table. And, and, that, and it was his idea. And um, and Larry was managed. That was the funny thing. Larry was managing me. So we, we, was he yeah, doing Peacemaker this, for that one? Um, I don't even know. No, it wasn't Peacemaker. I think it was H- Frank Cody, I think it was. Okay. And uh, it was in Ardmore. It was an outside show in Ardmore, Pennsylvania at a, like a, a playground. And it was on the basketball courts. And we fought all through the basketball courts, all through the baseball fields. And I threw him into a trash can. And he was pissed off because he had mustard ketchup from people's hot dogs all over him. <laughs> and we worked our way back into the ring. And uh, that piece, we had a, we, you know, we planted a broken piece of table somewhere or something. And we threw it into the ring, me and Larry. And Larry pulled out the lighter fluid. And we sprayed the lighter fluid all over. And we lit it on fire. And it was this huge freaking flame. And I get Frank. And I did like this. I used to do this standing bulldog. And I just remember the whole time. Like, I jump up in the air. And I'm holding Frank. And he's hot me. He's hot. He's hot. He's hot. He's hot. And I just boom into the fire. And he was so, he was like, dude, it was so fucking hot. And he was like freaking out. I'm like, it was your idea. It was, it was your idea. idea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I want to go back to Cream Team. It was um, Rip okay. Sawyer and Dino Casanova. I looked up Reddit. And... Rip Sawyer? There you go. Yeah. What are we in relation? Oh, yeah, Sawyer. I, 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 oh. I remember it was Rip. Rip and, and I remember the Casanova. I can remember it was Dave or Dino. It was Dino. But yeah, yeah, they were yeah, amazing, amazing tag. Yeah, I was, um, got the guys, this is the reasons why we had people doing this stuff over here and they look up, make sure we got it right and it's a good thing. That's why we have extras. Yeah, extras. Extra people. So, where are we at? Wherever you want to go. Oh, so, I know you're a horror fan just like me. So, I have memorabilia in my room of John Carpenter's signed Day Live poster. I have a Bruce Campbell signed Bruce Army Campbell. Of, Bruce Campbell. <laughs> Army of Darkness signed poster. And I also have a Jay and Silent Bob signed Funko Pop. Um, I, I probably already know the question or the answer to this question, but they don't. Um, memorabilia. What kind of memorabilia do you got? <laughs> well, it's changed an awful lot again uh most of my stuff is uh in pennsylvania for my divorce i uh, you know Not i don't even anymore. know if i had i don't even know if i have it anymore <laughs> um some of the things that i do have here that i took with me was basically um my signed album collection so i do have uh, uh I, I was just telling my best friend about this the other day because he was asking me the same thing he's like what do you have um i have my uh, my signed vinyl collection i have a ramones end of the century vinyl album signed by all four members damn that's that's gotta be worth something oh my gosh like we just did like the five questions of doom and wish you got the concert questions gosh yeah i got i do have some some cool stuff like that but all my a lot of my like signed memorabilia like yeah it's all back in pennsylvania i don't know if i uh, even own it anymore wow divorce can be ugly you have yeah. to decide uh you know here, here here's the thing I, I i learned through all this like you know I, I, since i was a little kid like i went through a lot in my life a lot of sadness stuff like that with losing both my parents at a very young age um, I don't know if people like my father died when I was four years old and my mom when I was 18 and, um it really did a, a number on me Emo- to, to this day emotion yeah. um that I just recovered from and you know, I spent my life collecting um whether it was autographs or memorabilia and all this like cars or guitars or, or whatever let's talk about geek out moments in life like mark out moments have you I had- think being in that locker room is just one big huge geek out moment what about yeah what about in the music and interviewing wise T- totally driven radio yes 
He's still doing it though. I know he's still. Yeah. Any geek out moments with that bringing somebody in that you're like, oh my gosh. Um, yeah, most of them. <laughs> I, I think that the biggest one uh, and, and the funniest one it was probably um, Joey Kramer, the drummer of Aerosmith, because when uh, when I brought him live on the air, he, he, I said, oh my god, it's Joey Kramer. He's like, all right, babe, come on, get the fuck over. It's me. Let's do the interview. <laughs> <laughs> And, and then we did like an hour long interview and he was so much fun and you know he was really open and honest about things and we just had a ball and um, I, I've gotten to interview so many of people in the music business TV movies whatever um, who was your favorite that, oh god like we say here, everybody's our favorite, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's so hard to, I mean, so many of these guys, girls or whatever, like that, you, you grow up looking up to in some, some type of way and then have the chance to sit and talk with them and, and hit it off with them. And some of them, you know, I've become friends with, which is kind of weird. And, you know, I get occasional like text messages or emails from them and, you know, them, like not me reaching out to them, but them reaching out to me, just like, hey, just wanted to check in and say hi and see how you're doing and going on and Stuff like that is kind of mind-blowing when, when, like, you wake up and you look at your phone and you have, like, Ralph Mouth texting you or Tony Hornell or, you know, somebody you, you grew up idolizing. Holy shit, like, how, how did this happen? Or, you know, Bobby Brown, the cherry pie girl. Like, really weird. <laughs> how things the girl that was on top of the car in the video. Yeah, I know okay. what we talk about. Just checking. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's been amazing. And um, I've taken the last couple months off just, you know, going back to the whole COVID thing and yeah. holidays, that, but I'm, I'm getting ready to uh, relaunch this week it looks like I got some stuff lined up and um, you can be back at it this week and some some changes I, I'm, I haven't made the formal announcement yet but look for a press release coming out uh, probably in the next 24 to 48 hours uh, oh. on the change that's well if you ever want to post anything with Totally Driven Radio on our wall feel free you're always welcome always come on I've known you what 20 years more than that yeah absolutely thank you and I only knew you for like 5 seconds no, I'm just kidding <laughs> shit I'll be, I'll be 42 in July. That goes to show you how long I've known him. Oh, how yeah. long? How long? How long's piece of string? I'll be yeah, I'll be 51 in April. Right. Okay. Like, like I remember going back when when Hell Riders were around. And we did a we did shows at that school I work at oh, back good. in the 90s yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. Do you still now you still work there? Yes, I'm residential now though. I'm in the houses. Oh wow. Almost. Well, awesome. I had left for a few years because Maurice Pierce wanted me to come down and work props and stuff like that for the haunted attractions, and I did that for a few years. I was here around staff down there on. Wildwood, freezing my ass off in the middle of January. Um, mm. But then I moved back in 2014, and they're like, hey, you're, are you up here? I'm like, yeah. Like, okay, you want to come back? Sure. So I've been back there since 2014. If you ever do any interviews with Pee Wee Herman, you have to get me on there. To met him at Monster Mania. We did some fun shows at that school. Yes. Oh, yeah, we did. Great shows. Uh, the one that sticks yeah. out in my head, and I was telling the story, and this is my Larry Reed story, because I'm going to ask you the same thing in a few seconds. Um, I remember the show. It was, we were doing the TV gen. It was me, Frank, Norm, um, no. Mav, and Chris. Chris Petrick. Chris DiPietro. Yeah. Versus the Intimidators. Mark, Troy, okay. that, that whole crew. And um, Maverick grabs the mic and goes, you know what, Larry? You need a hug. So now every single time you see Larry, give him a hug. <laughs> and the whole match, I'm walking around. I'm like, come here, Larry, give me a hug. Come on. You know you want a hug. Come here, Larry. He's like, get away from me. Get away. <laughs> Don't touch me. So, God rest. Love Larry. Yeah. Larry was a great guy. Do you have a Larry Reed story? First of all, I, I can't believe Larry 
I know. I can't believe it's gone. It's I so. And I mean, I I talked to Ron. I was having prayer session with Ron because Ron Star is the Reverend Ron Star. Um, I was talking to him and I was talking to Dog. Congratulations to Dog with everything he's got going on. with super crazy. But I was just talking to him, and then when I saw Dave post about it, I'm like, and I mean, it wasn't that long ago that we saw Larry. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. a little bit over a year that we saw him, and Larry looked pretty good. And then come to find yeah. out that Larry was in surgery and had a heart attack during surgery. He, was, he had um he had a bad heart year. Yeah. He had a few heart attacks. Um, it's so mind blowing. Like my heart breaks for his family, and mm-hmm. um, he was such. I, I miss that guy so much. And Agreed. you know, you know what? And, and this is uh, and I'll take total blame for this. Like over the years, like I just stripped apart from him. Just so much stuff going on, and you know, we used right. to we used to have a lot of great, amazing conversations. And um, he gave me so much good advice in life. And I wish I talked to him more. Especially, I wish I talked to him after my divorce to just check yeah. in on him and just talk with him. And you know, sometimes you know, just the craziness of life gets to you, and you know, you, you just don't have time to check in with people. And, and that's a lesson, you know. Again, going back to tomorrow's not promised to anybody. Right. We really got to like make that time and effort to check in with those people who um, mean something to us. Larry was one of those guys, people. Um, a, a, f- a funny Larry Reed story was um, so when, when Larry, like Larry, like I mean, he was somebody who was truly not like trained in the business. Frank, Frank's basically the one that really taught him. Uh, Frank Namoli, Frank, Frank Cody. Santa um, Claus now. How to change his name? Yeah, Frank Claus. And, and yeah, Frank Claus. But um, when we were running, we were running uh, monthly Liberty shows. This crisis. 20 years ago. This was back in uh, 2000, 2001 at the Goodwill Firehouse. Goodwill Firehouse, right there behind the Pathmark in Glen Olden. Yeah, I remember those. Yeah, right in Glen Olden. And um, we had put this organization together that Larry was running called The Church. Mm -hmm. And he was the deacon Larry and the Reverend Ron Starr and O-Dog was, I think, like the minister. And we had like this whole like church thing going on. I think Aaron was in it. And uh, there was somebody else. Um, there, There was a bodyguard. Uh, we called him Kwame? the church. Uh, it wasn't Kwame. It was this guy, JT. Okay. Um, he was only there for a few shows. But um, I remember I was uh, like at the front door and I used to have the, the headset on and Mav had the headset in the locker room so I could keep tabs on what's going on in the locker room and we can keep track of everything. And I'm at the front door, um, you know, going over sales or wherever the hell was going on. And Larry's match was going on in the ring and we had a run-in planned and they attacked um, uh, James, Dr. Ruthless and, um, and Iggy, Iggy Rose. And, you know, they did the run in and boom, they were supposed to hit him with a couple of chairs, do their thing and get out and just leave them guys late. So I'm, I'm watching and I, you know, they come in, they hit the ring and boom, they do their thing and they're beating on those guys and boom, boom, a couple of chair shots. I'm like, all right, cool. So I turn away and I go back to what I was doing at the front door and all of a sudden I hear crack, crack, crack. And I keep hearing these crack. What the hell is going on? And I got, I call up the map. I'm like, yo, like, are they still in the ring? He's like, yeah. I'm like, what are they doing? So I, you know, I, I go and I look and they're just like crack. And it would chair over and over and over. And I'm you literally hearing, like, you're hearing the velocity of these chair swings. You're hearing whoosh, crack, crack, smash, crack. And I finally, I'm like, I don't remember who to rep. It might have been your brother, Mike. Like, get them the fuck out of the ring. What is going on? And I remember being so, only time I ever hollered at Larry. And I went up and I tore him a new ass. Like, I was so pissed off. And after all those shows, um, Smart Mark Video recorded our shows. And then two, three days later, I would get the tape in the mail. And all the, the owners at the time we would meet at my house and we would watch the tape and review it go over it and Larry was one of the owners still and I remember we sat there and we counted the chair shots it was 46 chair shots 46 oh, chair shots yeah. Man, is that like that's like when the funk and Mick threw the chairs in the ring 
on, on PE. Yeah, and then everybody threw him in, even George. Yeah, yeah. And that, so, yeah, that, that was, uh, you know, that was the only time I got pissed at Larry. And then it was like the ongoing joke was we would always go, crack smash, crack smash. <laughs> Terry and Mick, when the yeah. chairs got thrown in. It was like that. Yeah, oh. yeah, crazy. Oh, yeah. Like, but Larry was, not, like, Larry was, um, he was, I can't stand it off. Larry was a beautiful person. And, um, you know, he, he was somebody who truly, like, he, he was, he would get into character. He became that, that lucky Larry. He would come dancing down the aisle. And he had his whole routine. And he had his little, uh, his little club, Matilda. He, he truly, you know, he truly was a legend in, in my eyes. That guy, he deserved more in the wrestling business. And he was like an unknown, um, an unknown gem. He truly was. And he, he was uh, a very important, vital part of Liberty All-Star Wrestling, not only on the one side of the curtain, but behind the scenes as well. If it wasn't for Larry, a lot of that stuff uh, wouldn't have happened. You know? He he was my main business partner for many years. And if it wasn't for, for him, we wouldn't have continued. And I even, owe him even, that. When, even when we were coming back, when we were starting again. Yeah, he, he uh, was right there. Ready to right. Play. I remember when we were doing the Brightcliff Firehouse, he showed up. I'm like, and I said it, and Frank said it too. I'm like, this guy doesn't pay. Like, what do you mean? I'm like, this guy gets in. He just walks in. No. Larry's like, why? I'm like, because you've been a part of Liberty All Star Wrestling as long as we've been doing this. No, walk by. I, I wish, and I don't think he did, but I wish he would have got the chance to manage his son. I would have loved it. I, I said it to yeah. Dave, and I said it to Dave over and over again. I said, Dave, why doesn't your dad manage you? I'm like, your yeah, dad's I, I walking down Frank the wanted, yeah, I know Frank wanted to pull that off. Like, I think he wanted it to be him against David with Larry Manningham, and that, that would have been like, such a great, nice storyline and a nice like right. ending for, for Larry's career. It, it really would, I, and I wish it would have happened. It, it would have been a beautiful thing. And I mean, we, we had that come back that first time we tried to bring it back when we were in Phoenixville at um God what was the name of the school because Dan Peasy got us that show up in Phoenixville yeah. and got blown over because the doctor never showed up and then we came back right. and we sold it out and it was fun and then we came down here to Briarcliff and did the sub Briarcliff but yeah Larry miss you man honestly yeah. yeah that one like I bawled when I heard Larry was gone I know yeah. I talked uh, to I... Dave and wanted him and his dad on at the same time so Battle Royal Battle Royal oh no. We got bigger this time. Yeah, looks like it. It's so, usually a 30-man battle royal, but this one... No, it's always 20. It's always 20. It's usually a 20-man battle royal, but this one is 35. So oh. I got 35 names in front of me, and I want you to give me a little story, one word, something about them. Okay. All right? Okay. First one... This should be fun. Oh, yeah. First one, Frank Cody. <laughs> I knew it. I fucking knew he was going to be first. <laughs> um, um, the the ultimate wise ass on the microphone, a, another hidden gem in the wrestling business, and the the most fun I had in matches against. Um, but somebody who probably should have kept his mouth shut some sometimes when when he did. Yeah. Uh, that was that's how I think about Frank. He he would he would uh you know the the like the person inside him, he he just uh he always tells it like it is and sometimes you gotta learn to kinda shut your mouth and just roll with it. Frank would never do that. He would always have to speak up for himself. Which is a great quality in a person. He's a he's a true he's a true uh amazing person too and uh one of my best friends and I love that guy. Oh yeah. Right, one of my favorites can I say it? Go ahead. Mr. Ola! 
<laughs> Mickey is somebody who uh, he, he's a class act, a true. You know what? He's like an ambassador to the wrestling business. He's somebody that loves this business. I love that guy. He's a great guy, and uh, he like doesn't age. I, I, I thought about that. That guy don't age, and I think he'll be in the business for another 20, 25 years. I found. Old, 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 like 1997 ECWA video of him, and he still looked the same except for no gray hair. It was brown, but he still looked the yeah. same. I want to do a when, when I first met him, when I first met him, he was Irish Mickey, right. and uh, I remember when Kev gave him that Mr. Ooh La La gimmick, and I thought it was amazing. And uh, yeah, it, it, great guy. His address. You know, he was three minutes away from my house. He lives right in my neighborhood, <laughs> yeah. and like I'm yeah. thinking, he's somewhere else. You know what I mean? But no, I just five minute walk. He was working Stan Styles intergender Bonanza six. Yes, six. And I'm always good to him, and I say it all the time. I don't care if you pay me. I don't. You're a friend. I'm gonna help you. You know. So I get over there. I'm like, bring your car around. I'll take down the stuff. I took down his table, put everything away, put it in the car, gave him a hug. I said, see you later. He said, thanks, Dave. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, that's what I'm here for. My friend. You know, it's what I do. Right. So. I cheered for him the whole match. Yeah, it was funny. <laughs> he worked somebody called the Ava Taker. Ava Taker. Yeah. Um, right. Somebody who I consider a brother, family, Maverick. Oh, the guy with the uh, horse. He's another guy that, um, another hidden gem of a talent who, um, like, he, he, he's another guy that truly not only loves the business, but he gets it and he knows it. And he was such a, and also, too, another important, vital part of Liberty All-Star Wrestling, um, not only on the, you know, in the ring, but behind the scenes and somebody who um so thankful that he was there so thankful he was part of things so thankful to have known him in life and uh he, he's a guy i truly met a lot of fun yeah. a lot of fun matches and the ultimate baby oh yeah like i remember the last show we the last last one we did the Briarcliff uh firehouse um he put up everything else he walked right by us we didn't even know it was him and main event comes out and it was whatever Ulala and um what's his name are called and they're talking on the mic and all of a sudden Mavericks music hits and the crowd hits it. It was great. And then we go yeah, he, to he, what's that? He, he's amazing. Yeah. He really is. And then we go to the Mav to the Barfly. Norm. Norm! Norm. Norm. That whole Norm the Barfly gimmick that we came up with. Like I remember when, like, when we put that all together came up with that whole gimmick. And here's a guy who, you know, he's a big boy mm -hmm. and he was, you know, even to this day, like, you know, he's probably pushing 50 as well now and he was still doing it. And that dude was super agile when he was younger and another guy who was over and he, he got the business and he knew how to work a crowd and he had fun matches. I had a few fun matches with him too as well. Great guy. I remember... He goes, you're refing my match, right? I'm like, yeah, what are we doing? He's like, how many times have you refed my match? Like, so you ain't doing a damn thing. So, Baba and Devon. Oh, that's five and six. Correct. You need to say this stuff. Uh, all right, there are two guys who were truly, at the time, brothers. Um, and I probably said this before when we did our interview a couple years ago, and I've said this in many interviews, and I get asked about them. Two guys who I thought early on didn't deserve push because they were really green and new to the business, but the two of them busted their ass, worked their asses off, and became what they deserve, and that's Hall of Famers and the best tag team of all time. And, the, uh, only tag team, the only tag team to hold 
every major tag team title in wrestling, except AEW. Yeah. Except AEW. Yeah. But they've I, IWGP, WCW, WWE, ECW, Ring Honor, Ring of Honor. I think so. Were they, I think they were Ring of Honor yeah. once. Yeah. 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 So and then, huh? New Japan? No. Uh, I, IWGP. Uh, well, that'd be yeah. the same thing. Yeah. 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 Um, Louis D'Angeli. Uh, I miss that dude. Mm. I truly miss Lou. Um, a lot of fun. Somebody who's really. Uh, a brilliant mind in the wrestling business. I don't think people realize that. He's really smart. Mm -hmm. uh, wrestling is wise. He's smart. <laughs> He's a smart person in general. Um, and he was also, too, a vital like person behind the scenes, um, you know, with marketing and promotions and stuff like that right. for ECW and then, uh, you know, WWE and now with Circuit Soleil. And, uh, Big with Circuit Soleil. Uh, yeah. He's truly a, um, yeah, I, one I, of a kind. Uh, so, so Glenn Osborne is my next one. Oh, my God. He's somebody uh, the wrestling business from Dan one from the my tryout in the wrestling business that I've known um, was very good friends with for many years um, when I had my wrestling school down in in, uh, in Darby he was mm -hmm. uh, he would come in and be one of my trainers and one of my teachers uh, with my students um, he was always a part of Liberty All-Star Wrestling uh, a class act in the business a true gentleman and gentle giant I, I love Glenn and I don't think anybody can say a bad word about Glenn Oswald. never was that when we had the ring at USA Fitness right there next to the Dunkin Donuts on Chester Pike or Chester yep. Pike and McDavid? Yeah, I remember that, Jim. Yep. Got a question. Is your student still wrestling? Who, Glenn? Any, no, oh, base students. Any, any, I don't know. That's what I'm asking. Um, well, it was, there was Cool Kid Ice who retired from the business Rob years retired, ago. Yeah. Yeah. And Nate Hatred was one. Right. Uh, God Thomas Rodman. Yeah. Thomas Rodman was another one. I don't know. When, when Tom, not to cut you off, but when Tom made his debut, he was Sheikh Abdul Jihad. Oh, nice. I like you that. Remember, oh my, I was trying to remember what his name was. You remember the name. Sheikh <laughs> Abdul Jihad. Now, the funny thing about this, yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen Thomas Rodman. Thomas Rodman looks like Dennis Rodman, okay? Yeah. A little bit shorter, but he was doing an Arabian gimmick. That's funny. Like, he was wearing Sabu type of gear. Funny. So, I think I remember it. But it worked. He, he When we did the shows at CPA, he was there. So, but was there anybody else? Um. Um, there was a there was a guy who we were getting ready to debut, but things kind of fell apart where it happened. Um, he never debuted. We, we were we were going to call him Lumpy Little, <laughs> uh, which was a takeoff. At the time, there was always these infomercials with that exercise guy Tony Little, right? And uh, this this guy he couldn't do a jumping jack, and we were going to make this whole gimmick all around that he couldn't do jumping jacks, but he was a workout guy, like um, when Frank was, was doing Dick Tribbins. Yeah, yeah. That actually uh, that's where Frank ended up. Taking and becoming Dick Trimming. Um, so Frank was doing this gimmick, kind of like Richard Simmons. Yes. But instead yeah. of it, we called him Dick Trimmins. That's it. It was funny. It was great. Um, Larry Winters. Wow. He's another one I can't believe um, is gone. He, uh, when we had, we would have our, uh, you know, when I was in wrestling school with Larry, we would have classes, you know, four nights a week, Monday through Thursday. And um, the best classes were the classes where he would just sit and talk to us and tell us stories of the business. And, and I felt like we learned the most from those um, because it really taught us the true workings of the in and out of the business and behind the scenes. And he was a guy who, you know, when I was starting with, Liberty All Star Wrestling. I was very scared and intimidated to actually talk to about booking because here was a guy who it did so much in the business, and um, I was scared to you know ask him to work for me and would I be able to pay him. And he uh, he was just gracious to be able to work, and you know he worked for very cheap for me. You know, I'm very thankful for that. But he went out, and the big thing with Larry was he was always known for not he would not bump. He would take the, the least amount of bumps in a match, and he went out there every show for me and worked 
his fucking ass off and bumped like a motherfucker for me. And it blew me away every time. And I would go up to him and give a big hug afterwards and thank him so much. And he would have so much fun on our shows. And it was an honor to have him uh, end up working for me with Liberty All-Star Wrestling. And another guy who, in the business, I'm truly grateful and thankful for to know, not only in the business, but to be able to call a friend. I'm trying to read. Dave just ran away. And I'm trying to read his handwriting. Is it J.R. Ryder? Yeah, yeah, okay. J.R. Ryder. Kenny okay. Infante. We mentioned earlier. Yeah. Uh, J.R. Ryder, when he he was one of my students too. He came in and um, it was right around the time that I was becoming a Dudley. So you know we had the Hell Riders and we were trying to think what were we, what were we going to do with the Hell Riders and and my old partner HD Pat and um, in came J.R. Ryder who uh, Kenny Infante and he at the time was a biker. He's and he still to this day he rides a Harley. And he he was a biker dude and we were like perfect. You come in, you take my place in the Hell Riders and the Hell Riders keep going and I go and become a Dudley. And that's uh, what we did. He's a guy who is uh, was an amazing talent, uh, just a great dude, a fun dude, and um, true hustler. And uh, I talked to him about a year ago, right before the whole pandemic happened. I talked to him on the phone. We had a great conversation. And uh, yeah, it, it, he would be a fun guy for you guys to talk to. I'm sure he would have a lot of fun stories. He, he is truly the definition of fun. Oh, I'm digging it. We need to get that on and work it on. <laughs> He's doing it right now. He's working on it. Uh, let's do the next one. Hack oh. Myers. Oh, Hack Myers. The Extreme Shaw. Hack Myers. Yeah. Hack was, uh, he was another guy. He was uh, a great guy, really quiet. Um, had a lot of fun, like, hanging out after the shows, like, drinking and partying. Um, but he was a dude who was so, oh, I, I can't, I, I can't stress so oh, enough. So fucking oak. And still to this day, when I go back and see those old Hack Myers matches and, you know, just hearing that arena crowd pop, shot, shot, shot. You know, it, wow. Like, I, again, I got those chills going up my spine. He was a great dude. Another guy who, who, passed away sadly sorely missed yeah george over here he started doing doing it too he's like yeah all right <laughs> yeah so this is the guy that i wish who needs no introduction oh yeah mike he, keener the better keener the better keener <laughs> you know it's funny i i when i think of keener like i think of the little kid the young guy that coming up in the business and getting his start and going on them early road trips with him who truly became probably one of the greatest wrestling referees of all time a true brilliant mind in the business a true talent in the business and um i'm i'm truly i'm not surprised but at the same time amazed at what he did in the business and it's well deserved because he's like the dudley's he's a guy who truly busted his ass for this business and he loves the wrestling business and he's somebody who deserved to go further in the business he should have been picked up by the fed i agree every time i see him out there and look what he's doing now he's in h2o training these kids Right. And, and I mean, one of the people that he's trained and one of the kids that he's proud of just became the H2O World Heavyweight Champion. So, yeah. Chuck Payne. Chuck Payne. Yeah, good kid. Yeah. I, it, I, uh, that dude's that a great talent. So, so yeah, you, uh, you've seen him wrestle. Right. He, yeah, yeah. He was in that. So, anything to say about Chuck? Oh, you're going to add him on there, huh? Oh, you do have him. Yeah, you do him on there. Chuck, I don't, I don't know too much about him. Just the, the few times I saw him on those uh, Liberty All Star shows I was doing commentary for. Right. But he, He's definitely a, a force to be reckoned with in the wrestling business and a true up-and-comer. And, -comer. and um, with uh, a, a trainer like Mike Keener behind him, I'm like, you know, come on. Yeah, he's a freaking monster. Yeah, uh, your, absolutely. Your brother did train some good wrestlers, and he's still training. Eric Martin. Good. 
Eric Martin. And he's kids now in H2O. Yeah. And I mean, look at where Eric Martin's going. Yeah. So he's in Ring of Honor. Eric Martin just went to Ring of Honor. Nice. So uh, Raven, Scotty Flamingo, Scott Levy. I heard that guy before. Yeah. What, what did I say, man? Johnny Polo. I, I, okay, so I was, before he became any of those people, he was known as Scotty the Body at Pacific Northwest. Right. And I was a, a mark for Scotty back then. And when he worked that very first Liberty All-Star Wrestling show for me, I was I was marking outside. I was so happy, and he worked a great match for me. And then when he went on to the Raven gimmick, I was blown away. And then when I got to be, you know, a Dudley and part of that whole thing and share a locker room with him every weekend and see how he worked. And I don't mean how he worked in the ring, but how he worked behind the scenes and the way his mind worked and the, the, the angles and booking and the way he did things was truly like going to wrestling school and he, he was a true talent a fun guy to, to hang out with and um, I'm very thankful for him uh, for coming up with the gimmick and, and allowing me to be part of things um, nice so here's one I haven't heard in a while and I think I remember going back Liberty and all that back then I can't remember if you guys used him or not Chris Kruger oh my god yeah, Where's yeah, he I, I don't know, but I pulled some out. I remembered some of these names. Chris Kruger, a, another unknown gem, and he was an amazing freaking talent. And I wish I remember who had a, he had a blow away match on buddy on one of our shows. I think it was down at Fourth and Lombard. We also had um, him at the um, Goodwill. He was at the Goodwill show. Yeah, he was he was on all our shows, but right. he had like a break match with somebody. I forget who. And I remember like at that point, like sitting and going over to tape afterwards and watching the match. I think it was with Frank. Like me and Frank were talking and at that point was like, okay, we're going to give Kruger a singles push. And we had big things planned for him before we ended up folding in 2001. But he was somebody who kind of, I don't know what happened to him. I mean, I haven't talked to him in 20 years now. So I don't know whatever happened to him. But he was um, I'll do some research. Yeah, he was an unknown talent. A real weird, quirky guy. He, He was really a weird dude a real weird dude but a true he was a talent and I don't know what happened he, he was another one he came out of the ECW school and right. then he wouldn't get a they would never give him a chance Ooh, ready for the next one Inferno Kid Danny Inferno the Inferno Kid oh wow he was somebody who was just that he was a, a kid when he came out and um, I remember like the early days of Inferno Kid I, actually I think if I'm not mistaken I think he worked on the very first Liberty show too Kane Allen I but Danny so. was uh, yeah he was always a good dude nice guy and I remember like not seeing him for maybe like five years span and then seeing him on a Kettner show and being blown away by how far his work rate had become. And uh, he was somebody too who like that whole like North Jersey crew of um, Iron Mike Sharp students, they were like, that was a talent. Like Mike Sharp pumped out amazing talent and he was part of that crew. And yeah, he, he was uh, always a pleasure, fun guy. And uh, yeah, he was a talent, true talent. I, 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 like I think I'm, you know, quote unquote Facebook friends with him, but I never talked to him once. Right. But he's, he was always a good dude, and a t- he he was a like a talent young like you knew there the talent was there and he was somebody who involved that talent and, and was working with it and he probably should have went further but i don't know whatever happened why he did <laughs> the guy who we know way too well who is now one of the wwe head trainers carino wow. steve carino oh who's that 
I never heard of him. He, he, he's somebody who, from day one, I knew would go far in the business. He he truly ate shit and let wrestling. You knew he was going to make his mark and do something. And the whole king of old school, I love that so much because he always gave prop and nod to the old school and wrestled that style. And what he did with EC, in his time in ECW, become a champ and all, I, I was marking out for that stuff so huge. And I felt he deserved it so much. And I wish he would have got a true shot in WWE. I would have loved to see what he could have right. done. Uh, I remember uh, I remember him coming up and quote me if I'm wrong, but wasn't he originally known as the four, five, six kid? Yeah, yeah. When Carino yes, first, see, I remember these things, but when Carino was coming up, Carino looked like Walt way, 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 way back. Yeah, yeah. black hair. Yeah. yeah. And it's so, funny. Like, God. I was going to say, like, I remember like early times back in the mid 90s, back when uh, his, I don't remember if it was a wife or the girlfriend, but Colby's mom, like when Colby, when uh, she got pregnant, it was like the whole thing was, I, I remember sitting at, there was a place on Delaware Avenue called Philly Rock. And I remember like, a whole bunch of us sitting there, you know, one night hanging out, eating and drinking. And I remember right talking to like, like, yeah, I was like, dude, what, what do you, like, aren't you like scared? Don't you think it's like going to screw up your career? Like you got a kid on the way and all now? And he was like, no, not at all. And he, he like was a stand up, stand up dad. To, you know what I mean? Like he was always there for that kid, no matter, you know, he didn't, he didn't, because he became a dad, he didn't let it take away from his wrestling career and he didn't let his wrestling career take away from him being a father as well but and have, have you seen have you seen colby have you seen what he looks like now i i last time i saw him he wrestled uh ecwa super eight two years ago right, right before i came to Nashville. he looks like his father oh yeah when his oh, yeah. father was that age oh yeah he looks exactly like his father that's what happens um no no, no i mean gimmick wise and the way he holds himself and everything else um i'm gonna use a real name on this one because i know my my friends here won't know it. Tom Carter. Reckless Youth. Reckless Youth. Yes. Yes, Tom Carter. Yeah, he, he was another guy who... Um, Should have went somewhere. Talent. Yeah. True talent. He was... Um, I think a person who was before his time um, and I think he was true a true innovator of that new style that you see today so much mm-hmm. um, he was the probably like one of the nicest and sweetest human beings that you could ever meet just a great true class act of a human being um, I don't know what he I, he's somebody I probably haven't talked to in 20 years I got him um, on my wall was, I still talk to him I, you know I was always um, oh, like when, when, anytime he was uh, I was able to book him for a show I was always honored and knew good things would happen. Um, sticking with that era, Ace Darling. Oh, heard of him. Ace Darling's another one. Like he, he was part of that Iron Mike Sharp crew. Um, mm-hmm. that I knew early on was going to be forced to be reckoned with in the business. <gasps> Talent. Um, a, a nice guy, and um, he, he was another one. Like you know, those those early Super Eight shows that Kepner would put on. That's where he truly got to show off his talent. What he what he could bring to the business was those early Kepner shows that uh, Kepner was starting to book him on, and he was uh, yeah, he was somebody too that I really thought was gonna make a big splash in the business. Yeah, no, um so going on the other side of the cage. Oh, there's a cage? Yeah. Of the railing. Cage? You put a cage in here? Well, kinda of, because there was always a guy in the crowd at every ECW show or any indie show that I was at, and he always wore a hat. Oh. John the hat guy. Oh, I 
I heard of him. Yeah. Yeah. John was so always there. He, he was a, a great guy, fun fan, and, you know, he was like the ultimate mark. Like, you knew, you know, if you want to get heat, you go screw with Hat Guy. You go work Hat Guy. And he's going to get you that heat with the crowd. And uh, he and so many of those other, you know, quote unquote, smart marks of uh, the ECW days were so, they were just as important to the ECW uh, mix between fans and, and workers and everything. They were su- such an important part of the whole ECW thing to get everything over as much as the workers. Um, the fact that he actually became a worker and is like a manager or something, kind of like, I don't you know. Heard that. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, it's kind of like, uh, but, you know, whatever. He's his own, but he's somebody who I, I truly miss. I probably haven't talked to him either in 15, 20 years, and, um, but always had love and respect for John. He was he was always a great guy. Always loved him. Always, always loved having some beers with that guy afterwards. <laughs> at the Holiday Inn. Oh, what's Holiday Inn? The, the Holiday Inn at, over at there. The, uh, Holiday Inn, the Travelodge, the Philadelphia Marriott, many, many places I drank with that guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, Bob Ortiz. Oh, God, I love Bob. Bob and Lex together. Yes. That's somebody, going, going back to earlier in the interview, like somebody who I need to call and talk to, that's one. And I, and I really got to make a point to do that soon. Um, wow. I, like, it, it went, like, it almost brings tears to my eyes, the love I have for those two people. They did so much for me in the wrestling business and Liberty All-Star Wrestling. But not only me, but ECW and the Philadelphia wrestling team. Right. I, I don't think people really, truly realize everything those two people did. And to talk about beautiful human beings and beautiful souls and beautiful people, you look at you look that up in the dictionary or the encyclopedia, whatever you want to look up, you Google it. You're going to see Bob and Lex Ortiz. They, I love those two more than words can to say. Uh, what can I say about the next one? Hmm. What can you say? Reverend Ron Starr. Oh, Ron Starr. Ron Starr. Ron Starr just turned 51 years old the other day. Looks <sighs> fucking amazing. Right. God bless him. He's <laughs> still doing it. Still going out and walking that aisle, getting in that ring, hustling, working his tail off. And he's somebody who was always very humble and respectful to the business and people in it. And um, I miss that guy. I, I truly like he's him. Like whenever, uh, hopefully I get to see him in person at some point one day again. Uh, I, I honestly would just would want to see him and give him a hug i love that guy yeah ron's cool ron ron i consider like i've known him that long and i'm like you're my black uncle like literally you're my african-american uncle because i've known you that long i consider him a family wait what ron star is your uncle he i've known him that long i'm just ripping you trust me i (laughs) here's how long i've known ron and bay's gonna laugh i've known ron as long as he was a himalaya player (laughs) 20 years. 20 years. Donnie Allen. Wow, where's Donnie at? Donnie's another another one of those guys. Yeah, Donnie's another one of those guys. Yeah, uh, hopefully he's still doing his music. Music was his first true love, um, but he was a guy who truly earned respect of that locker room of ECW always. He was always willing to go out there and give whatever he needed to to get anybody over. Um, I had so many good times with Donnie, so many good conversations, and and Donnie's another one. I, I would love to see Donnie again or talk to him and 
and just uh, I love that guy. I, I truly do. I miss him. I, I miss all these people. When we did the shows at the school, Donnie Allen was always like a mainstay. Donnie Allen was at every show that we did for the school, and it was always yeah. cool to work with him. Yeah. Donnie Allen was the um, the wrestler that took over Frank Cody's match on the ECW. Was show it against Stan Hansen? Oh. Yep. Yeah. And, and it's funny because Donnie Allen was what four ninety nine in the PWI five hundred one year, and on his yep. tights he got four ninety nine written. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mark Mest. Beautiful person. Such such a great guy. Um, so thankful for him and his brother and, and everything they did for the wrestling business and their ring rentals. Such and an important school. part. Of, yeah, such an important part of wrestling in that area. And um, yeah, I, I always love just seeing him come show up and sit and talk with him before shows and, and, and during shows. A guy who always just had a smile on his face. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Jimmy Janetti. My brother. My fucking brother. I love that guy to the end of time. Uh, I still talk to him. I, I talked to him about a month ago. Um, I, I've been through so much with that guy. Another one from day one from my first tryout. Um, we hit it off, became friends. We became very, very close over the years. And yeah, uh, he, he's a guy who, again, was a talent that should have went farther and farther, um, but just didn't. And regardless, that, that, that I'll, I take the wrestling, when it comes to him, I take the wrestling business out because he's truly, uh, truly my brother. I, I love that guy. Okay, well then we go to the other half of Jimmy Janetti, Ramblin' Rich Myers. Ramblin' Rich. Many fun times with Rich, thanks to Janetti meeting uh, Rich and his wife Karen, and uh, quite a few times uh, a little Baltimore excursions. Uh, spent the night over at our place, and uh, many much partying going on, and a lot of fun, goofy times. And he's another guy. He was a freaking amazing talent, um, and, and him and Janetti, uh, you know, as the Holy Rollers, great tag team, and yeah. And have you talked to Rich? I, mean, I haven't talked to Rich in years. Okay, last I heard, Rich was one of the head trainers of Maryland Championship Wrestling. So last, I think you're right. That was the last I, I Janetti, heard. Yeah, I think, because I know Janetti's still very close with him. Right. Um, and Janetti's one of the head trainers at Gangrel School. Down is he really? Yeah. That's awesome, because I have Gangrel on my wall. Did he fall asleep on your wall? Did he fall asleep on your You should reach out to Janetti. Well, yeah, I'm going to text Janetti later on the night. He's on my Facebook as well. Um, Stevie Richards. Somebody from day one uh, that I went to wrestling school with, from the time he walked through the door and I watched him bump, I knew he would go far into business and make it to the top. Um, talent, a true talent. He, he was meant to be in the wrestling business. We were we were at, um, what was Luke Hawk's company called? Wildcat. Wildcat. We were at Wildcat and I'm sitting there, it's me, him, and Luke Hawks. We're just sitting there talking and I go to my son I'm like, Anthony, say hi to Stevie. And Stevie's just like, hey little man. He's like, I'm not that little dude. <laughs> so we go from Richards to the other two in the team with him. Meany and Nova. Wow. Um, Meany. I'll do Meany first. Meany, another one. A brother. Um, he's somebody who I've remained close with through the years. Um, another true talent. He, he, again, I, I forget how I used the word for earlier, but a ambassador for the wrestling business. He, he truly is just that. Um, a, a great, great person. A funny person. A, somebody who is not only a good person to share a locker room with, but to share life with. Uh, it's always good, fun laughs, good conversation good music and um good times with the meeting love the meeting we we did a um, show not to cut you off we did a show up at a church for liberty dan Pizzi got us a show at meeting 
was there doing meet and greet. He wasn't working. And I'm like, Meanie. He's like, yeah, Dave. I'm like, people don't believe I'm friends with you. Give me a picture real quick. He's like, sure. So I get the picture with him and start posting it. Like, okay, it is true. Wow. And then we go and do icons. And I woke up to Meanie and I'm pushing people out of the way. And he's like, get over here and come around here. Shake hands, hug and everything else. He's like, what are you doing here? I'm like, I got a table like over there on the other side. He's like, all right, I'll be over to say hi. He got too busy. Never came over though, but still cool. So on to Nova. Uh, Nova. Nova. Wow. So Nova, I remember very early days of him in the wrestling school um, at Mike Sharps. And, and I remember saying to myself, like he was trying to do this early supernova gimmick and he was wearing his goofy face paint and his goofy homemade costume. And I used to think to myself, this is like a bad joke. This is <laughs> bad. And he spun that bad joke into something truly amazing. And here was a guy who took that bad joke and became a true talent in the wrestling business and um, blew me away what he did and what he became in the business. And he's somebody who I can say early on, I didn't have respect for because I thought he was a bad joke, but he he earned my respect. And I, I got nothing um, but good things to say about that guy because he busted his ass and uh, he, he went far in his business. He did a lot and nothing but praise for him. And um, now it's like an ongoing thing on Facebook because he's a Dallas Cowboy fan and he's always ripping on the Eagles. So it, it, now it's like fun football stuff with, uh, with Mike. I was going through YouTube the other day and I found this video of the Worldwide Wrestling Alliance. Ship to Shore video, 1990 something or other. And it was Nova in that gimmick when you had the mullet and everything else. And yeah. I'm sitting there, I'm like, what the... And, now to see what he's doing now, it's kind of cool and kind of funny. But I yeah, mean, absolutely. It, if you get a chance, try to find that on YouTube or I'll send it to you if I can find it. Um, okay. You all right over there? All right. Rocco Rock. Oh, Ted Petty. Another guy who sadly passed way too too early. Um, Every time I hear this theme music, uh-huh. I always wave my hands. He truly, you know, with the whole public enemy thing, finally broke through to the other side after many years in the wrestling business. And um, he was a true talent. Uh, I don't know if people remember him before he was rock and rock being the cheetah kid but he was a guy who was a true talent he used to do even that like early on he used to do ring rattle stuff he was the go-to guy for ring mm-hmm. rattles back in the day and um yeah he, he was a talent a very very nice guy i know uh you know towards the end of uh, the public enemy and all that stuff there was a lot of heat that happened with you know other people and stuff like that you know when i go back and hear those stories now it kind of sucked but to hear that stuff because he was uh yeah he was a talent he was a good dude and he was always good to me and uh, i was honored that when he worked for me to one show yeah he's truly he's truly missed now he he worked uh i did a show at uh chichester athletic oh really yeah where was i was that the one where it was richards versus janetti in the main event that was the fun spot show that was a fun spot show okay um where was i i don't know was bam and begalow in the car no No, okay um sandman Wow. Back when he was Mr. um, Sandman. Sandman. He was somebody who, um, from day one, again, in the wrestling business, you know, he went to the old TWA ref school, so I used to get the chance to work out, train with him early early days. Um, He was a guy who, you know, when I came in, I was 20 years old. He was 29 years old. And he gave his all and busted his ass. And he was doing that goofy surfer gimmick that really wasn't getting over. But they knew there was something there with Hack. And um, they kept pushing him and pushing him. But it just, you know, there was something missing. And then... And they let him be himself, and he became one of the most over uh, wrestling. Uh, I don't even want to call him the character; it's not a character. It's him. He became one of the most over wrestlers in the business of all time. Soon and as you he's hear a guy that who... opening riff, that opening riff to entertain yeah. by Metallica. <laughs> soon as you yeah. hear that riff, doesn't matter. I was at the Metallica concert, right? And as soon as they started to play Sandman, Philadelphia started chanting ECW. 
All of Philadelphia. Yeah, you have to. Hey, um, have to. the Michael Jordan thing. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, exactly. Funny, funny story about Sam, man. We were walking around icons, and I walk up to him like, "Hey, man, how are you?" And he's looking at me like, "I know you. Where the hell do I know you from?" And I'm like, "We work together in Potsdam." He's like, "PWF." I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "That's where I fucking know you from." He's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm hanging out. Got a table over there and everything." He's like, "Really?" I'm like, "Yeah, cool." Walks away. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 fun. I, I saw him uh, two years ago before I moved to Nashville in a Wawa, and uh, I saw, I'm like, "Holy shit!" No, it was in um uh, Tennis Square. Okay. And I, I saw him and I'm like, yo, hack. And he looked at me. He's like, just that. He goes, I know you. I'm like, chubby dull. He's like, get the fuck out of here. He gives me a big hug. Yeah. Yeah. What the hell? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but he's somebody like he would walk in the locker room like he'd come in he'd come dragging his bag and open the bag and there's a case of beer yeah when we had him for PWF he was drunk before he even got there <laughs> Terry Funk George gave thumbs up like legend icon um, the Desperado yeah I, I mean wow what that guy did in his you know, 50s 60s you know in, in ECW he um, team player like he was somebody and, and uh, just a gentle soul beautiful person um, yeah, yeah love was, Uncle Terry I was reading something about him and he's like I'm not even here for the titles I'm just here to help you guys get over yeah yeah you knew Dustin once yeah. who Dustin oh, yeah 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 so um Mo um always called him like um the Terry Funk dad and all that stuff and he, she asked him can you call Dustin this is when he was really sick and um yeah and one day like Dustin gets a phone call from somewhere down in Texas he goes I don't know anybody from Texas so he, yeah he didn't he didn't answer it from the double clause and then, like, ranch? yes. And then, it, like, he calls back Mo, and it's like, he's not answering the phone. So they had to call him and tell him to pick up the phone from Texas. And wow. <laughs> Dustin had a nice conversation with Terry Funk about fighting cancer, not talking about wrestling. They just talked about um, fighting cancer. And do I you remember that, George? Yes, I do. Yes. You know, let, let's, like, let's, let's, like, uh, other people that really don't, um, people that don't know, possibly, like, outside the wrestling business or important people, like, to ECW was like somebody like George's mom. No, yes. she was an important part. Like, you know, she helped out so much, you know, w w with the guys and all, getting them back and forth. And just, she, she was like a mom to a lot of the guys. Like, she she was very helpful. And there were so many others like Maureen that was, uh, you know, I, I, Maureen was a friend for many years from my time in ECW. And there were so many others like her that were so amazing. And they didn't have to do what they did for, for us idiots, you know, <laughs> put our life on the line. They, they did it because not only were they fans of the wrestling business and loved the business, but they believed in us and, and loved what we were doing. And we couldn't have, you know, did what we did if it wasn't for people like Maureen. And I, I'm always thankful and grateful for, you know, the Marines and Kathy Fitzes and, and all the other ones you out still there. still see did Kathy so all the time. You, you, yeah, knew, she's amazing. you knew Moe's husband when he was alive was a pro wrestler. I, I heard that, but I, I, that was before my time. What, what was his name, George? Mad Dog Marino. Okay. okay. Yeah, do you, do you, whenever, did you ever meet Bay when you were there? Possibly, well, I'm not 100% sure. Right. So you don't remember mom driving with him oh. or any of the guys? I was never with her when she did it. Okay. Just wondering. No, no, no. Uh, Pat Kinney. Hey, 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 there's another name that a person, uh, you know, I talked to him real quickly when we became Facebook friends like a couple years ago. Um, wow. He was also on the very first Liberty All-Star show. As a matter of fact, um, you know, back in my early days of Kettner, like me and him, we hit it off instantly, became good friends and had some amazing conversations. And his first independent
independent show he got to work outside of Kettner was for me. Because you know, Kettner wouldn't let those guys work for anybody else. And yeah. It was back when he was um, Lance Diamond, not Simon Diamond. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, he was that. somebody who was a true talent from day one. And I, and I knew he was going to do things. And once he was, uh, the reins were let, let off of him and he was able to fly, he did it. And, you know, look what he's still doing today. He's, yeah. Amazing baseball player, too. And I mean, he's yeah. like one of the head yeah. producers yeah. of TNA, right? Yeah. yeah, but he he was um he was on his way to become a ma- uh, major league baseball player, you know, in college or I think it was, and yeah. then he had an injury. Yeah, it sounds like um somebody else we knew um back in the days, Randy Savage, mm-hmm. was was in yeah, Randy Papo, yeah. and then he got injured and he broke every single bat in his backyard. Pillman, Pillman, Pillman was going to be a starting for. The- the Cincinnati Bengals. Yes. And then he got hurt. And then that's yeah. why until it's why he always wore Bengal colors when he worked. When you brought up um, yep. uh, Pat, when you brought Pat, Pat up, brought up um, Mike Tobin interview we just did. Yeah. And Mike Tobin said Pat was the reason why he got into ECWA. The yeah, awesome. My brother ref that match because my brother posted it and I posted Mike for it. Thomas Rodman. <laughs> Rodman was a dude who came into the business, came into the wrestling school wanting to do, you know, so much. And, like, I always remember, like, you had to keep, like, putting him back and checking and reeling him back in and, and trying to slow him down a little bit. Um, but he, he was, like, he was a hustler and go-getter and just wanted to do so much and was a really nice guy. And um, I don't know whatever happened. Like, he, he made a, a second first a few years ago, and he was popping out all over the, around the country doing stuff with the business. And then he, like, went away again and just went MIA. And I don't know whatever happened. Last time. I heard, he like last I heard, he was helping run Keystone Championship Wrestling. That was a few years ago. Right. That was like the last I heard. Yeah. I haven't heard anything since. We will. Yeah, I think, uh, well, I think he got off social media or whatever, but I think uh, he was working, if I'm not mistaken, like in the airline industry. And, mm. um, yeah, that was his bread and butter. Go walk around the airport. <laughs> um, Joel Gertner. Oh. Gertner, I love her. Um, I, I saw, no, he's another one like Meanie, who I, you know, and, and Lou, fine guy, who you know, I kind of remained in touch with over the years and call a, a true friend. Um, yeah, I, I, amazing talent. I still, from time to time, will just, you know, go on YouTube and watch like his old promos and stuff and laugh my ass. Um, yeah, I love Gertner. Um, David Reed. I know him. Uh, a true surprise. Um, he's somebody who started in Liberty All Star Wrestling as a five year old kid. Yeah, I remember who would that. bring the ring back. Goodwill. The guys, yeah, oh, well, before that, on our first show, Saint Alan. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And he, his love for the business stuck with him all these years, and he became an amazing worker, and not only an amazing worker, a hard worker. Um, there was one night a few years back, I went over to visit um some friends that when the ECWA had their school um over in South Jersey, and I stopped over there one night, and Dave was there, and I got to watch him work for the first time, and I was blown away. And then those shows on Liberty that I got to commentate on, he was, uh, I got to watch and work with the crowd and all and he became a true talent and um, he, he's almost kind of like something he really, he really is uh, amazing what he became not only wrestling business but in real life he's truly a uh, class act of a human being a talented human being and a smart human being and nothing but love for him and his family Um, yeah I agree definitely the next one I got DB over here calls him the River Phoenix of professional wrestling and 
that would be Trent Essen. That's scary. I was gonna say that scares me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Michael Verdi. Um, he's somebody that should still be here. Yeah. And if he was oh, yeah. here, he he would he would have went far. The, the talent that kid had, he had it all. He he had talent, a look, charisma. He had it all. He was the complete package, and he would have became a a huge star in the business. And it's uh, a a very sad casualty of the wrestling business what happened all. And my uh, my heart still to this day great. Um, I watched that kid. He was like a 13, 14 year old kid. It was 15. one of those backyarder. Yeah, that was breaking through. And I, and I was like, yeah, who let you in my business? And he just um he was somebody who he worked at it and worked at it and became a a, a legend. He, he truly is a legend wrestling in my eyes. I remember we did the shows at the school and when the Bennigans was there in Springfield, it's where we would all go afterwards. We'd all go to that Bennigans right there in Springfield. And yep. he was there the one night and he took up like the whole booth to himself. I'm like, all right, all right. What are you doing, kid? <laughs> and it was just, it was, he had this, like, now, here's a name I'm, I'm breaking out of the woodworks, and nobody else here will know it. He had, like, this Twiggy look before Twiggy even started. Twiggy Ramirez. Nobody? Twiggy Ramirez? Yeah. No? Mm-hmm. So yeah. he looked like what Twiggy looked like. There's another name I, I, I got to find. Well, um, early on, Trent used to come out with Twiggy. Right. As a matter of fact, I remember like early on, like those, like Angel uh, used to run those shows down in Philly. And um, Trent would come out. I remember I would sit on stage with Dennis Carluzzo and watch the show stage uh, of the, the building she used to run. <laughs> we would holler. Uh, he would come out, you know, dressed in the makeup and all doing the Marilyn Manson gimmick with Twiggy Ramirez. And we'd be on the stage hollering, get the little boy get that little boy <laughs> yeah, i remember um what do you call it walking around in wildwood and if you didn't know twiggy outside of the gimmick like anthony looked nothing like the gimmick when he put the paint on and everything else yeah he looked like him but if he wasn't in gimmick you didn't know it was him so i'm walking by him go twiggy twiggy and i go anthony he goes what and he's like what are you doing here i'm like i, I work here in wildwood like i came to the show i took the night off came to hang out he's like are you going in i'm like yeah i'm already in i just came out to get something to eat. he's like oh okay i'll see you inside cool those were good shows those Wildwood shows? Harley Lewis. Oh my god. The Harley Lewis is the star of Fate. True. He he is the funniest man on Fate. He he really is. Um Harley, I became really, really good friends with Harley back in the mid nineties and um we were very close and um we did a lot of shows together. I got to work on one for sure, maybe twice. Um he was somebody who was a true talent, um, a badass motherfucker. Um, somebody I was oh, somebody I was always thankful was on my side. Uh, I used to hang out a lot with him and we would go drinking an awful lot and always end up in a barroom fight <laughs> at a bar in Delco. Uh, but it was always fun. And um, yeah, he, he, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad to call him a friend. I'm so glad he was always on my side. And he is the funniest man on Facebook. If you're not friends with Harley Lewis on Facebook, you should. We both are. We both are. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, yeah. So go to the other half of those misfits, Derek Dom. No. Derek, he, he was another one who I went to wrestling school with, and um, he was another one that I knew was bound to do big things in the business, and another one I was glad was on my side. Um, there was one night that I, I, he got pissed at me because I had stopped booking him on shows because, you know, he, he was a loose cannon, and right. you know, a lot of, there was a whole lot of partying going on, and I was just trying in to more get ways away than from one. that. Yeah, in that whole bringing that into the locker room. And But when I would do shows in Philly, I would book him, and I booked him on a show, and he pulled a shoot on me one night and uh, got on the microphone and ripped me uh, because I wasn't booking them and walked out in the middle of the match. Um, which, which I, you know, whatever, like, 
at the time I was a little pissed off, but I got it and I look back at it now and laugh my ass off about it. It's terrible, but uh, I always have love for Frankie and um, had a lot of good times with him, a lot of crazy times. And he was, again, he was a talent that, uh, you know, should have went further in the business, but, you know, he did a lot of partying and crazy stuff that, you know, kind of hurt him in the business. And then, you know, him and Harley were teamed up and it, it sucks just the two of them guys together were amazing talent and tag team. Oh, yeah. Well, when you had Ken Porter in there, it was good too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I got two more. Two more. Two more. Donnie B. Deviously. <laughs> Donnie B, he, he was somebody who um, uh, became, again, like his brother, um, somebody who early on I didn't really I didn't really like him or care for him, um, but ended up becoming friends with and respecting him an awful lot. And it happened, uh, you know, as we were both working behind the scenes for Dennis Carluzzo, and he was uh, doing some booking for Dennis, and I was doing some booking, and uh, I got to really know him and see the mind of him, and he's really a smart guy, and even more after the whole Dennis thing went, went and Donnie started doing his own booking of his own promotion. I think it was called Phoenix yes. Championship Wrestling. And um, he had some really great original ideas, drawing some great crowds and putting on some great matches. And um, I was actually, uh, I used to rent my insurance to Donnie um, for the shows and we used to talk a lot. Uh, I think that time, at that point, we even became uh, more of a friend and respectful, you know, business-wise and everything. But he's somebody as well, like nothing but him and his brother, nothing but uh, amazing things for both of them and respect and the two of them are both major talents in the wrestling business well, and, and great people too and funny they're both funny as shit <laughs> so my last one last one last one is last somebody one. that db talks to all the time oh i talk to them yeah oh devin storm oh devin storm hello devin storm <laughs> he was somebody who again was part of that mike sharp group and um was again an early on talent but i remember being i, I was on the show uh when he main evented against taboo and i got to get out in, in the crowd and watched the match and that was the show, that was the match that put him on the map. And I saw this young kid go from a kid with talent to a wrestling star in the making and was blown away by that match. And I knew his time was upon him. And he, uh, you know, I, I think he could have did more in the business. He, he he got, he made it, you know, to, you know, for some big things. But I think, you know, with situation he got to put in with WCW, I think he could have did even more. Um, but he was also a great guy, a smart guy, and he was going to college at the same time and if i'm not mistaken i think he's like a physical therapist and yes probably has you know yeah i think he you know good dude you got any social media plugs to tell the fans out there yeah, um, so my, my big thing now that uh, I'm working on, like, you know, I'm, I'm going to be bringing my shows back, looking like this week, so I have Totally Driven Entertainment. You guys can watch my uh, my interviews will be live there on Totally Driven Entertainment on Facebook, and uh, I have a thing with me and my uh, fiancé we do uh, on uh, Facebook and Instagram. We do, like, a whole bunch of, like, goofy comedy skits and stuff like that. Kind Food like reviews, restaurant reviews. Yeah, so uh, you can check us out. You can go to the first at uh, Facebook or Instagram. Just look for Coco Bay. Uh, Coco Bay winning. Uh, we have an eBay store and all do a we do a resale business so uh yeah check us out coco bay winning or at totally driven entertainment if we ever make it down to tennessee or if you ever come back up this way we have to get a day picture with you well wait a minute where's where's our friend monty at isn't he down there yeah he's where's he at in tennessee somewhere in tennessee oh you, you're talking the other day i thought he was <laughs> i totally forgot i think he said some farmland area well that's tennessee to begin with anyway so actually it's not oh. that, that's what i thought but uh believe it or not like nashville and all it's not farmland at all it, it, you know it's very uh it, as i drive around it reminds me of delaware county totally oh, like really? delaware county yeah like newtown square area westchester oh, like, wow 
Very, very Delco. Oh, I think I need to go down there because it's Delco. Deer Lodge, Tennessee? Deer Lodge, Tennessee, then. Okay. Oh, that, that sounds like fun, man. Yeah, I, I don't know that area. This is the 2300 Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, D.B. Richards. I'm Dave Keener. We've been sitting here talking to ECW Original. 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 From Eastern Champions of Wrestling. Hotshot Bay Ragney. Chubby Dudley. One half of the Hell Riders. Bay Ragney, thank you for being on the show. Oh, thank you for having me, guys. So, and we'll see you. And we'll see you in the, in ring. the ring. Hey, everybody, what's going on? This is Bay Ragney here, otherwise known as ECW Original Original. Chubby Dudley, otherwise known as Easy Rider, otherwise known as the Hotshot Bay Ragney. I got to walk the aisle at 2300 Arena. Now, I get to be on the 2300 Wrestling Podcast. Thank you, guys. And you're listening. 